I like college football a lot, like a lot. I love road trips a lot, a whole lot. You marry those two in the fall, it's magic. I don't know who you root for as long as you, I don't care who you root for as long as you root for the Vanderbilt Commodores, that's all I ask. We're fun, it's everybody's favorite team. My wife's of all, we have a lot of fun in our house. Okay, that's, I hear you, uh, a lot of fun, but I love college football and I love road trips. 2018, our schedule, when I say R, I say the Vanderbilt Commodores, it's just, it's in my bones. Uh, when I say R, uh, 2018 schedule comes out. There's a team on that schedule that came and visited us when I was a little kid. Notre Dame came to Vandy years ago. I remember Todd Yoder, touchdown catch. I don't think we won that game. I think it was 14 to seven. You can Google it later, but it was close. But we were at Notre Dame that year. I grew up watching one movie over and over and over. I watched Rudy till I was, it's just the movie I watched. The only reason I knew anything about the Lord's Prayer was because of that movie. I, I like my parents, they taught me the word, but I remember the cadence at which those players in that hallowed, that, that famous locker room said it. And so I said, all right, tickets are cheap. 40 bucks, who's in? At that time, it was this group of guys we'll throw up on the screen. They are now rascals in my book because they're all supposed to cheer for Vandy. As you can tell, we raided the bookstore and it didn't happen. I brought the wrong guys to the party. We all jumped into Chelsea's Nissan Murano and we drove to South Bend, Indiana. It had to happen, it's a bucket list trip. We get there on a Friday night. You get, Mac Johnson's on the far left in the white shirt. He's a vault at heart, but he came. We let him come. Um, Mac's on the left now in Vancouver, pastor in there. John Harland in the middle in the play like a champion is now a student minister, one of them at First Baptist Church, Hendersonville. Evan Koontz is somewhere in this room. Evan, I will have his back on this. He's literally the only one that actually likes Notre Dame, like for forever. So the number 10, that may, is that a Brady Quinn? Siri, sorry. Um, Evan wearing the number 10, I think that's Brady Quinn from back in the day and there's yours truly a lot younger at Notre Dame. We got to South Bend about 11:15 at night. Powered through, made it. Our hotel room was about an hour from South Bend. It's the only one we could find. We showed up on campus. The bookstore at Notre Dame looks like a library. It's gorgeous. If you've ever been to South Bend, it is, in my opinion, the cleanest and prettiest campus in the United States of America. It's un there wasn't trash anywhere. It's unbelievable. Everything was green, buildings gorgeous, crazy, but 11.15 at night, their bookstore was open. And obviously the boys raided it. We're looking at everything, we see everything. About five minutes till midnight, an older gentleman approaches me. And he said, son, you from here? I said, no sir, from Nashville. He said, you root for the doors? I said, by golly, I do. I was like, are you kicking me out? He goes, no, have you heard about pep rally? And I said, are you the nicest person alive? Where is this pep rally? He's like, it's under the dome. You gotta get to the gold dome. It's happened in two minutes, you gotta go. If you do one thing here, go to the pep rally. I thought it was a prank at first. I was like, who has got me right now? He's like, no, go, go, go. We're closing it down, but go here. So I get Ev, I get John, I get Mac, and we just start walking through campus, and it's gorgeous. You hear the bagpipes starting up, the drums starting up, and that pep rally lasted probably a good hour. We walked Notre Dame's campus until about 2.15 in the morning. We got to our hotel an hour away. I think we got 
in bed by four, but I was on this couch that's probably four feet long, so your legs are hanging over and you're kind of doing this. Again, it's wonderful because it's a road trip and it's college football. It's the best. We got up at seven, showered. We were back in South Bend by 8 a.m. for a one o'clock game. Why? It's college football. It's what we do. We had to see the sights. We had to eat with people we didn't know. It was the best. We got in our seats and here's what happened. Not terrible seats for 40 bucks. I grew up watching the Lord's Prayer in Rudy, just walking through it. Technology's awesome. They pipe in the locker room Lord's Prayer to the Jumbotron now at Notre Dame. And so 77, I looked it up, 77,600 people that day, Lord's Prayer out loud. Y'all ever heard 77,000 people say the Lord's Prayer at one time? It's deafening. It's incredible, and it's stuck. I thought about it the whole way home. That and the three turnovers that cost us the game, but it's okay. I'm over it at this point, but the Lord's Prayer was awesome. I thought about it the whole way home, so much so that my last two years of seminary, I was entering into that at the time. And I go to my project, project director, faculty chair, and said, all I want to do is study the Lord's Prayer for the next two years. You good with that? Is that okay? Do I have your permission? He said, yep. It's a strategy, isn't it? I said, it is. I want to argue this point to you all day today. The Lord's Prayer is not simply a passage to be recited or memorized but more fully is a heartbeat that ushers in the kingdom. Think less mechanics, more heart. The Lord's Prayer is not simply a passage to be recited or memorized. It can be that, that's cool, but you're missing the beauty of it if you don't adopt it as a heartbeat at which you live as a believer every day of your life until Jesus comes back. It's a strategy. But don't take my word for it, y'all. Don't take my word for it. Take the Savior of the world's word for it. Because this is his word. And what so many scholars call the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Let's stand together. We're going to read four verses today. Four. That's it. But they'll change everything if you let it. They'll be on the screen if you don't have a physical Bible with you. Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 10. The Savior of the world says it this way. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, circle the like word right there. It doesn't say pray then this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be, your, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll stop there. Why are we stopping there, G? I couldn't fit it all in the one sermon, y'all. Just being honest, it's a two-parter. But this first part changes everything. We have to start somewhere. We're starting here. Y'all can have a seat. Turns out, 
Jesus is serious about prayer. So serious, in fact, that there are times in the Gospels, specifically you can go back to Mark 135 and on and on through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus is gone. Simon Peter's like, where'd dude go? Anybody seen him? It's early. Did he not stay? Where, where is he? And what was Jesus doing? He had to meet with the Father. We've talked about this a lot. This is a rhythm for Jesus. It's who he was. It's how he lived. And if I'm supposed to call myself a Christian, as in little Christ, one that bears his name, resembles him, is an ambassador of his name and renown, that's got to be me too. It's got to be you too. That this whole idea of prayer is not something that will kick back to if things go bad. Jesus uses this strategy daily. He just lived it. Would just speak it. And it changed everything. He opens with, and when you pray. Not if you pray. Scholars say when is an important word. It's a given, D.A. Carson says. When you pray as a believer. When you pray. Don't heave up the empty phrases. Don't worry about just mumbling. Don't try to say many words so it sounds good. Less mechanics, more heart. Don't worry about the empty phrases that sound so floral. John Piper says it well, says it this way. Prayer is primarily, get this, a wartime walkie-talkie. That sticks with me. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. We talked about mission last week. If you're in the balcony, again, when you leave and go out of this place, or if you're down here on the floor, you leave and go out the main entrance. If you take a, a second and look back, you're going to see the mission. Acts 1 8's on that wall. You're going to be my witnesses. Power's going to come on you, and wherever you go, where you live, work, and wherever you play, you will be my witnesses. Piper says that prayer is primarily a walkie talkie in battle. And he finishes this way, prayer malfunctions, get this, prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comfort in the den. Prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comfort in the den. We don't have time for empty phrases. We're in a spiritual battle all day, every day. Less mechanics, more heart, okay? He keeps going. We're gonna walk through this, and we're gonna walk through it literally line by line. This is the only way this passage works. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they're gonna get heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Garrett, stop buying the lie that our father's not omniscient. Garrett, stop buying the lie that I think he doesn't see everything. I don't think he knows anything. I know everything. I see everything. No, 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 no. The comfort in this passage, in this spot, is that he's omniscient. Big word for he knows it all. The whole thing. You get a pixel of the screen, he's got the whole thing ready to go. He might have even authored the whole thing and both good and bad have funneled through his hands into your life for his glory and for your good. 
He knows what you need before you ask him. And then Jesus says, pray then like this. The first two words could be a struggle for you. I want to be really sensitive to that. Uh, I, growing up, my dad was in the first service. His name's Glenn. He's got a bow tie. That's dad. Dad would argue that he is not a perfect dad, and I would agree. Not hating on dad. Love my dad. My dad's a good dad. Do we disagree now, even to this day? Sure. My dad's a good dad. He's not a perfect dad. My dad's job was to point to the dad who was perfect and is perfect. My dad, imperfect Glenn, is merely a shadow of the one who is perfect, the heavenly perfect father. I used to get so frustrated with dad back in the day, and now I've got four kids. Y'all, that changes things for me. Seven, four, two, in five months. And I confess to you that I am not a perfect dad. I'm just not. I'm not, I goof it every day. I mess up every day. But my job as a disciple and follower of Jesus, living Acts 1-8 out, is to point Collins, Campbell, Keller, and Hayes to the one who is perfect. Kids, I'm not it, I wanna follow him, but that's the guy. That's the perfect heavenly father. And D.A. Carson says it well. The perfect heavenly father is not a tyrant. He's accessible, caring, healer. He is the perfect heavenly father. And I want to make sure I'm sensitive to that because immediately you might turn out if that's your story of pain and go, as soon as I see our father, I'm out, G, I'm out, I'm out. And can I just make the argument humbly before you that this father's different. He's just different, y'all. I want to look like him. He's different. He says he's our father. He's talking to the disciples. Got him alone, got him away. Pray then like this, boys. Our father. Hallowed be your name. I'm gonna say this, right? I, I dig this word. I love this word, this hallowed word. Hallowed be your name. And you're going, gee, what does it even mean? And I'm going, I don't, I don't know either. I had to study it for two years in school. They made me. It was awesome. What does it mean? Long story short, keep holy. May the Father's name be hallowed in your life. May the way that you live, work, and play, you keep his name holy by your actions and by your words. You can't make his name more holy. It's impossible but you can treat his name as holy, Danny Aiken says, so that others see what kind of a different, perfect father he is. Hallow his name. If you've got the CSB in your hands, it's honored as holy there. I like that too. Honored as holy is the way that you are living right now. And I'm asking not to uh, just pull it all out in the front and we just do work together in the king this morning is the way that you live in all facets, in all departments and cabinets of your life. Do they hallow the name of the father? Do they? This is tough for me too. I'm the preacher of it and the spirit convicts me of it all the time, rightly so. Do I hallow his name?
the end of that, hallow your name. We learned last week, we're not the main character in the story. So it turns out my name doesn't really matter. My reputation doesn't matter as much as his. My fame, disregard it, who cares? I'm not a perfect father, I need one. I'm gonna sing his name. We're gonna hallow your name. The gospel is he is the main character of the story. Hallow his name. Verse 10, Trav talked about it earlier, your kingdom come. What does that even mean? Gee, like, how, how does that even work? Your kingdom come. What does that even look like? It's allowing his reign and his rule into your life now. And obviously, more fully at the return of Jesus, when his reign comes fully in that moment. But are you letting his reign and rule, his lordship, you could say, in your life right now? That's what this prayer is arguing. It's less mechanics, more heartbeat. When you approach the Lord's prayer, it's not saying say all of these words perfect at the perfect cadence. It's not bad, by the way. But if you miss the heartbeat behind it, who cares? If your heart's not in it, it's empty phrases. Hallowed be your name. And when I say your kingdom come, I need your reign and your rule in my life right now. Danny Aiken keeps going, I want God's kingdom to come today. I want his reign and rule in my life right now. I also pray and long for the day when his glorious name is honored as holy among the nations and throughout the universe. Your kingdom come. We're getting close to the end. Your will be done. Your will be done. How do I best teach that? Long story short, you have to allow your dreams. It's tough, church. You have to allow your dreams and your will and your plans for your life to get swallowed up in the beautiful dreams of Jesus. You have to let go. I'm telling you the Lord's Prayer is a game changer. It's a strategy. You have to allow all of your plans to come to the feet of the king of kings and you go, whatever you want, I'm cool with. And what you will find is his plans were always better. Do you ever seen this played out? Yeah. Jesus experienced it too though, right? If you fast forward 20 chapters, you're gonna get to Matthew 26, Garden Gethsemane. Guys like me were sleeping. Jesus is awake and what does he say to the father in this moment? Your will be done. Last verse, last spot. On earth as it is in heaven. Let it sit. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Now. Zoom in. in Brentwood as it is in heaven. I don't know where you live. I don't know where you drove here from today. You might be from Leapers, you're out there. You may be south off Arno. You may be in east. You may be north Nashville. I, Bellevue, I don't know where you drove your car from, but here's what's important. We have to think as we look at the Lord's Prayer strategically. 
The mission is at stake. No more empty phrases, no more mechanics, but heartbeat. The strategy matters. So where are you from? Where do you spend your time? Where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you play? What team are you on? And if I'm gonna say in Brentwood, as it is in heaven, you replace Brentwood with wherever you are from. And wherever you are, wherever you spend the majority of your time, you put that spot in place of Brentwood. For me, it's Brentwood. I live here, I get the joy of being on staff here. So my job, my goal is to win this city by the power of the spirit. We team up and we go after this demographic, this city to usher in the kingdom of God. Where are you from? Where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you play? That might just be where in God's perfect, beautiful dream, he has you ushering in the kingdom. You go, no, 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 not in my workplace. I got you. Yep. That's right where his name needs to be ushered into. What's crazy is when you look at this, you look at this, I love it. You're going, okay, I'm tracking with you, G. I, I, I get it. But how do you do it? You haven't been to my office. You don't know what the locker room is like. And you don't know what my family history looks like. How do I do it? The beauty of our good father is this, friends, is that he gives you a mission and then he gives you the key to complete the mission. How do you do it? You install Matthew 6, 7 through 10. You start there, four verses. You install that into your heart daily and you watch your heart start to well up in worship. And I kid you not, when your heart starts to blossom, starts to blossom in worship here, you won't be able to shut up. You will be so full of the things of God where he will just, gospel teaches, whatever's in man's heart, his mouth's gonna say. So he's just gonna come out of your mouth at work. You're gonna be like, what is going on? I'm just, he's just gonna start moving and you're not gonna know what's up. And the only thing you can do is look up at Acts 1, 8 and go, his power's on me. The spirit's moving. And I'm ushering in the kingdom with his power. It's a game changer. He gives you the key. Um, my favorite mentor in life that I never met. Never met the guy. Always wanted to, never met him. This a guy named Tim Keller. Um, Dr. Keller passed away two Fridays ago. The man has a brain like I just can't even fathom. And he spends a lot of time talking about the Lord's Prayer and here's what he says and I'll be done. The Lord's Prayer may be the single set of words spoken more often, get this, than any other in the history of the world. I'll say it again. The Lord's Prayer may be the single set of words spoken more often than any other in the history of the world. Jesus Christ gave it to us as the key to unlock all the riches of prayer. Yet, yet in bold, it is an untapped resource partially because It is so familiar, so much so that 77,600 fans can scream it at the top of their lungs, whistle blows, and you forget you just said it. Same. 
it's not merely a passage to be recited. It's a heartbeat that ushers in the kingdom. Keller finishes his line on the Lord's Prayer, and he says familiarity is dangerous, and I agree. Familiarity is dangerous. We hear this prayer so much, it's white noise. The gospel can become that way too. I get asked all the time, our staff does, what do you love so much about Brentwood? You work your Brentwood campus, right? Yeah, I'm on staff there. It's, it's the coolest. I love it. What do you love about it? Why are you there? Because I love the mission of it. I feel called to it, Chelsea and I both. But it's the Bible Belt, dude. Everybody's heard it. Fair. But familiarity is dangerous, friends. And I feel called here. We feel called here with you on this mission because familiarity is dangerous and our city is very familiar with the gospel. But familiarity does not equal salvation. It just doesn't. It is one thing to know about God and is another thing to call him Abba, Father. There are a host of friends in our city who do not know the gospel. They're familiar with maybe a few verses here, but they are reaching out, dying to know who is this man. And we feel called here with you guys to go get after him and go do it because familiarity could be dangerous. So what are you asking? Two things. One, I challenge you if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a disciple, if I call myself a disciple, I challenge you this week to take one verse a day. It's four days. Obviously, there's more days in the week. Start it over midweek. And begin to install the Lord's Prayer, the first part, 7 through 10, in your life. I kid you not, y'all. You install that and you watch him, your perfect father, start to install a heartbeat in your bones to hallow his name in our city. This is the only way that it works. I'm from here, I can say this. There are some high caliber folks in this room. Brentwood has a lot of folks like that, but if we are lying if we think the power's in us to be able to accomplish this mission. You're wrong. I'm wrong. I am not qualified to get Jesus' name to the world. But there is one who qualified me by his spirit that lives in here. And it's his power that changes things. If you're a believer in part one, I challenge you to install seven through 10 this week and see what happens. Two, I'm gonna say this as sensitively as I can. If you don't know him as father, can I toss some hope at you? And just say that there's nobody better. He's not a tyrant. He's kind. He's caring. One of my favorite words for him, he's so accessible, available to you. Do you know him? Have you surrendered to him? Are you adopted into his family to where you get a seat at the table and you get to call him Abba Father the rest of life and for all eternity? If you want to know him, we will meet you right outside and there will be folks that will meet you right down front as well. 
Don't leave this moment and let it pass by and you don't understand, talk to somebody, let it outflow of your life. Here's where I'm at and I don't know, I don't understand the gospel, but somebody talk to me. I need a perfect heavenly father. Nobody here has worked, including the good ones. They're not perfect either. He's waiting for you. Always has been. The beauty of his omniscience and omnipresence is he's, he knows everything and he's everywhere. What does that mean for me? It means he knows your entire past. So you're going, ugh, yeah, same. And he will free you from it and guarantee your future. He's the only one who can. He's it. You don't need to look for another. Our perfect heavenly father is the only one designed can satisfy your heart. He's good like that. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We give you today. It's all about you. Have your way with our hearts. May the prayer that Jesus gave us truly be the strategy we need to employ and install for your glory and your name. In Jesus' name, amen.